Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello and, hello and welcome. Sorry about that. You're listening to Mark My Words here on the Life Coach Radio Network. I'm Mark Shaw, broadcasting live from New York City. I'm a certified life and business coach, and twice per month I host Mark My Words, which is a life coaching-oriented show where I interview various people with inspiring life stories of overcoming adversity. And I also speak with authors of great coaching-related books and programs, as well as many others who have great things to say. And sometimes I coach listeners who call in live on the air. So tune in the first and third Sunday of every month. Tonight is another live coaching hour. The number to call if you'd like to be coached about something you're challenged by or stuck in in your life is 646-716-9397. We've already got some callers in the queue, so we're going to jump in and get started with some coaching right here, right now, here on Mark My Words. So first, we're going to start with Michelle. Michelle is calling, uh, needing some more confidence in uh, starting her dream business, which is also actually a coaching business, and taking the uh, the next steps. So welcome, welcome to Mark My Words, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me on tonight, Mark. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm glad you're here. So how can I help you tonight? I just, um, I'm about to take my oral exam to be a certified life coach. Uh-huh, and great. I'm trying really hard to get my business going, but I have absolutely no confidence. I'm just, I'm so scared to do it, just petrified. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I great. just would really like so, uh, to just to feel better about myself, about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So first of all, congratulations and best of luck. And I'm sure you'll do fine on the uh, on that oral exam. Um, and you know, it's really common to feel fear, of course, when starting on a new any new venture, especially a business venture, which takes time, resources, money, um, and of course, you need to eat from it as well, right? So uh, <laughs> that could be a pretty scary scary venture. So, so first of all, tell me about. Um, Tell me a little bit more about the fear. The word you used was petrified. So tell me a little bit about that. I've just always been scared of uh, failing, but I've been coached on the subject before, and people are like, well, you know, when's the time that you failed? And I was like, I've never failed before. I don't fail. When I when I want to do something, I do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it I have the mentality that it's, you, um, you know, if you want something done right, do it yourself and put your whole heart into it. But it's just getting me to take that step because I don't think people will want me. Mm. So tell me what you mean when you say fail. What would failure look like? 
Um, <clears throat> I spent the last seven months in school, and I don't have any um, clients. I'm not making any money, and I'm going to have to go back to a corporate job. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And where does that fear come from, given that you never fail at things? Um, I don't know. I think it's just because I'm always, like, apprehensive about, um, you know, taking steps and things like that. But I just, I'm always, I think because at such a young age, I was, I put, I had so much responsibility put on my shoulders that there was, I had no, I could not fail. And it was just, I, I create so much stress on myself mm-hmm. because in my family you can't fail. Gotcha. So uh, may I ask you a little bit more about, you said you had so much responsibility put on your shoulders at an early age. Can, can you tell me a little more about that? Is that okay? Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, unfortunately, my father died when I was 14, and the family then looked for me to take care of my mother. And my brother um, is a drug addict, and I had to step in as, you know, I'm not a 14-year-old. I had to be an adult, and I had to be an adult with my mother. I didn't have, you know, teenage, and everybody in the family said I had to take care of my mother. So from, you know, he was diagnosed when I was 13 or 12, and then when he died when I was 14, from then on, I've been protecting my mother and taking care of her. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And how much is that still the case now regarding protecting your mother and taking care oh, of her? Oh, hundred percent. I would, yeah. I will, I would jump in front of a moving vehicle for my mother. I won't even. Mm-hmm. I'll kill for my mother. It's, and if my mother is unhappy, I am unhappy, and I don't like it. Hmm. So so what I'm hearing there is that your relationship with your mother is like the one of the if not the single most solitary important thing in your in your life right now. Yes. And you really care a great deal about her. Mhm. So it makes sense to me then too that uh you fear failing when you know being successful in your business has an impact on how you're able to take care of her. Yes. So, okay, great. So that all makes a lot of sense, Michelle. It really does. Um, Tell me a little bit about why, what made you decide that you wanted to become a coach of all the things that you could do professionally with your life, um, and I'm I'm assuming uh, that you've done with your life. um, Why coaching? I have always been the person um, people go to. Not to tell them what to do or anything, but they come to me to just talk to me. And I I believe that I was put on this earth to help people. And mm-hmm. not only to help people, but to help people through diff- difficult times in their life, through t- transitioning. And mm-hmm. my personality is 100% I need to take care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I wanted to be a life coach is that aspect, but also the independent aspect of I can still be um, a stay-at-home mother and, you know, when I have children, I can still 
make money, and be home with my children. Mm-hmm. Great. And are are you married or single right now? Married. Okay, married. Okay, so uh, then you have another relationship in your life that's central and and and, and completely important to you as well. Um, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, what I'm hearing is that you're, you 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 view yourself in such a way that has you take on an enormous amount of responsibility for other people that are important yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you know, it's funny. Sometimes when I coach, I'm not sure why I'm going in a certain direction, but my intuition is calling me there. So I'm just going to follow this. Um, what? Tell me about how it serves you in your life to come from that point of view. How does that how does that point of view serve you in your life? That I have to take care of everybody? Yep. I, it's exhausting. It is emotionally and physically exhausting. And um, my husband is very opposite. He's very like, um, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't understand why I have to take care of everybody, and then he doesn't understand why I'm emotionally exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I'll go through, I'll go days, and I'm I just feel like I'm at a fog, and he's like, "What's the matter?" And it's just like my brain is not turned on anymore because I focus on all of my energy on other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm beginning to get why my intuition was calling me in this direction. So can I make an observation? <laughs> I, make- I always trust that. Can I make an observation? Yeah, of course. So the question that I asked you was how it serves you to have that point of view. And what you answered instead was the question I was going to ask next, which is what might it be costing you? Oh, yeah, no, it doesn't serve. I mean, I guess it serves me because I feel good about myself. I feel good okay. that people need me and that people want me to help them. All right, so it makes you feel good when people need you and want you to help them. Mhm. Okay. And then we know that it it costs you when uh in in terms of it just makes you emotionally exhausted a lot of the time. And it sounds like it also gives you conflict with your husband sometimes or at least uh a disconnect there. In in uh, in understanding one another. Yes. Okay. So I'm curious as to what impact seeing your business as something that puts you in a position to take care of people in a way that costs you in the ways that we spoke about, what impact does that have on your desire to move forward with it? It it's so kind of a layered question, I realize, but let's see where you go with that. <laughs> it's um it's kinda I don't know, it's like a catch twenty two. I'm super excited that I want to help people and I have like a foot out the door and I'm like, yes, I'm going there. But then I'm like, oh, wait, no. What if they don't want me? Mm-hmm. And then what if I can't do it? And then it's just a lot. <laughs> sure. Tell me a little bit more about the what if they don't want me part of that. 
Like what if like what if I go a month and I, nobody no nobody calls me, nobody emails me, nobody nobody goes to my website, nobody, you know, is like, oh, what's that? Mhm. And it, they're just like, eh, we don't want Michelle. We want um somebody else. Okay, so let me let's play that through a little bit. What if that did happen? What would you make the non-ringing phone and the non-dinging email box mean? What would your interpretation of that be? That I'm doing something wrong with my business or I'm not marketing properly. Okay, that's different than they don't want me, isn't it? Yeah. I guess initially, like, I would first go to um, my marketing, so then I'm doing something wrong with my marketing, but then after a while, then it would emotionally start to get on me and kind of, like, tear me down. Mm Mm-hmm. So if it continued, if it continued for you uh, while you changed marketing strategy and pulled some more stops out to make it happen, it sounds like if it lingered long enough, it would it, it would start feeling personal to you. Yeah. That it's you they don't want. Mhm. Hmm. What would that mean for you? Devastation. Mhm. Yeah. I would just be devastated that I, I guess like if that happened, what would go through my head would be that I'm wrong on my life purpose. Like maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. You know, I don't know what else I'm supposed to be doing. This is the only thing I want to be doing. I want to do this and be a mother. That's the two things in my life. I mean, the, every, when, I was growing up, um, I was taught to have, like, a dream and a passion. And, you know, some girls want to be doctors, some girls want to be lawyers, and that's awesome. I wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but being a mom doesn't pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I said, okay, I'll be a mom, but then I'll also be a life coach so I can help people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm curious about something. You said, what if I find out that this really isn't my life purpose and my passion yet? When I asked you before why you decided to be a coach, you sounded really sure that this is, I mean, your words were, I was put on this planet to help people. Yeah. I know I was put on this earth to help people. Um, I realized that once I met my husband, Um, Mm -hmm. but maybe I wasn't put on this earth to help people and make money. Does that sound, I don't mean that to sound bad, but like maybe I'm not put on this earth to do this as a profession. I'm supposed to do it as like a volunteer. Mm. Well, let's play that out for a moment. So if you were to do it as a volunteer or if you even have volunteered in that capacity in the past, what, what, what would or what has that looked like? What what I couldn't hear you. What what would that look like, or what has it looked like if you've already done it on a volunteer basis? If you were doing it on a volunteer basis and not as a profession, how would you help mm-hmm. people on a volunteer basis? I would try to go to like um, woman shelters, mm-hmm. and I would try to volunteer my time with them. Or mm-hmm. I would volunteer in like um, a hospital mm-hmm. with uh, cancer patients, 
and mm-hmm. work with them if they were terminally ill and work with more work with their family, not them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, what I'm hearing then is really the kind of help you want to provide for people, um, or I should say the kind of people you want to provide help for, are people who are finding themselves in some unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a coaching niche, what what is it that you would who, – who, who would your niche be? Who would your target market be? I've been um, going back and forth with it. I started off with um, um, family members that have lost somebody and they're ready to transition into, you know, um, moving on without that person. And then I went to um, family members of addicts that are now living a sober life that need to, you know, you, the, your whole life and everybody's life when somebody gets sober needs to change. So I wanted to transition and help people from that. And then now I've been toying with women who are trying to get pregnant, but unfortunately it's just not working out for them, um, we're helping with working with them through the process of fertility and whatever else they need. And what exactly so, would you help those folks with? The women? Yeah, yeah, the women with the fertility challenge. What help just, would you provide them? Just some a sound just somebody to talk to. And because it's very, very emotional when a woman can that wants to have a baby, they can't conceive, but there's nothing that's um stating why they're not conceiving and it's not a um it's not an issue for a psychologist because there's nothing really going on for a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a therapist because there's nothing going on in the past that they really need to focus on it's more just in the present and working mm-hmm. from day to day and month to month basically when each month they get that news that they're not pregnant and how mm-hmm. will they you know handle it Mm-hmm. and what they so really, can do to make it different for them. Right. So let me ask you this. What would a uh, what would a successful outcome for a client such as that look like for you as a coach? That it would, if I got a client that could not get pregnant, um, it would be a success, a success if the next month that she got her period, and she's not pregnant, she didn't want to cry. She didn't want to, like, hide in a corner, that she accepted it mm-hmm. and that she was ready to move forward and she's not blaming herself. Mm. That that would be a success for me. Wow. I'm really touched hearing that. What I really love about that is that um, it's clear that you get as a coach that your job is not to solve her problem, mm-hmm. but that is to really shift the way she relates to what's going on in her life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as a coach, I'm taught that I can't fix the problem, 
Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, with you know infertility, nobody can really fix the problem. Sometimes it just doesn't happen. And yeah. as women, for centuries, for since the beginning of time, we've been taught we bear children. That's what we're put on this earth to do because men can't do it. And when you try and try and try and try and you do everything right and you do everything by the book and it just doesn't happen, some women are just emotionally distraught. Sure. And then after you stress your body about you have to get pregnant, you have to get pregnant, that actually lowers your chances of actually conceiving because of your stress is so high. Absolutely. Um, I'm curious, Michelle, what drew you to that particular group of women with that with that particular challenge? Um, because I'm one of them. Okay, I I, I was going to guess that. Um, yeah. So what what I'm hearing is that you have a real passion for helping people that have faced the challenges that you have faced. Yes. Okay, because all three of the the, uh, the 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 target markets, so to speak, that you've mentioned, are things that you have been through, right? Um, yeah. And one of the things, and it might be helpful to comment on this actually. One of the things that I know, uh, and I always, you know, when I'm when I'm teaching uh, coaching students stuff about, you know, finding a niche, and it particularly has to do with a niche that they want to coach in because it's been their personal experience. One of the things that um, I always share is that it's important that you're on you're far enough beyond or far enough on the other side of the challenge so that you've got enough distance and objectivity so that you're not jumping in the box with the mm-hmm. client and also so that you're not uh the way you go about your business isn't impacted by anything that might be incomplete for you. Right. If you're far mm-hmm. enough on the other side of the challenge, then there's much less of a risk of those things. Can you? Can I ask you to comment on that, with regard to you and your situations? I think that um, you're hundred percent right. Um, but for me personally, I am very passionate about some things, and I'm basically a hundred or nothing. And if I'm not into it, I'm not into it. And these are the things I'm very passionate about people that I've lost somebody or are transitioning into, you know, eventually somebody is going to pass because due to an illness or um, addiction with the family members because a lot of family members do not have the support system and women trying to be a mother. And a lot of people that I went to school with are doing um, corporate, but they hate corporate. They hate corporate life. So I said, why are you doing corporate if, you know, you you hate it? And they said, because it's for the money. I just, I don't want to do that. I don't want to wake up every day and do something I'm not passionate about. One of the things that I know we always talk about in coach training is that this is a career that um, that allows you to really live your passion. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I talk to people about what I do as a coach and about the work that they do, um, I always, I'm always curious about 
how much of it is a passion for them and how much of it is just for the money. And I'm often, um, what's the word? I, I don't hear the passion from mm-hmm. as many people as I feel like I would like to, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, I just think the world would be a much better place if people were doing more of what they're passionate about. So I admire you for um, for seeing it that way and for really looking for your passion uh, in what you do. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. How how far on the other side of those three issues do you feel you are? And I'm not sure how you can answer that now that I've asked it. So I'm thinking if we put it on a scale, let's say let's say one to ten. One mm-hmm. means like I'm still in it myself and haven't resolved any of it. And 10 is like, it is so far from me. Um, it's almost like, it's, it's almost like I've never had it happen to me. Where would you put yourself? I would actually, for my fa- for my father, um, I would put myself at like um, a nine or a 10. I have um, accepted that my father died um, and I have acknowledged that he did die for a purpose, and the purpose for his death was to make me a stronger person mm-hmm. and to um unfortunately, my husband had um brain cancer when I met him, mm-hmm. and if my father didn't die, I wouldn't have known how to take care and support mm-hmm. somebody I loved through um, surgery and through chemotherapy. So with my father, I miss him every single moment of every single day, but he died and he gave me that strength. He gave me that inner strength. Mm. Um, My brother, um, I do not, I no longer speak to my brother and I have absolutely no interest in ever speaking to my brother again. But so when it comes to Anything with my brother, I I just disregard it. I don't want to speak to anybody about it. Um, but the what he put me through, I'm like I'm at a eight or a nine because again that's just something that made me stronger. And then I'd say with the woman women, it's it's a it's it's lower. It's I wouldn't get attached to their outcome. Because I'm too focused on my outcome. Mm-hmm. So. What do you mean? What's your outcome? W- with getting pregnant. You're you're focused. So you're saying you're so focused on that that you wouldn't be attached to their outcome. Yeah, just because that would be our connection between us. That mm-hmm. I wouldn't allow their outcome and their what they're going through to interfere mm-hmm. with what I was I'm going through because we are two totally different bodies. Gotcha. Okay. So here's what I'm I'm wondering now given all of that is what impact if any might your connection to the issues have on your difficulty moving forward? and taking your next steps and feeling fear of failure. I think I'm scared to fail somebody like me. I'm scared that okay. if somebody like me who's, you know, who, let's say with 
the transitioning with the loss of a loved one and I have somebody like me who just lost a father and you know I I say I can help you I can you know move you forward and you'll be happy again and then I don't do it it's like I failed somebody that went through what I went through and my goal is I would love for every person that I spoke to to not have the pain that I had at such a young age Mm. But I might, I might, you know, people die, and it's not easy to get over it. Yeah. So, what happens to you if you can't help a given individual that's asked you for help? I find a way to help them. Mhm. In my eyes, there's no, like, you can't help somebody. Mm-hmm. I've given up. I've um, tried numerous, num- numerous times. Like, for my brother, I've tried numerous tries- times to help him, and I have just given up. Yeah. Because there is no way for me to help him. Mm-hmm. So... What I think I'm hearing, Michelle, is that um, you're more afraid of failing a client than you are of failing your business. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's not really what if I don't make any money at it and what if it doesn't work. It's what if I can't help everybody? What if there's people I feel like I can't help? Mm Mm-hmm. No, you you definitely hit the nail on the head with that. It's not mm. about the money. It's about, I yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, that's a really common fear for all new coaches. No matter what their niche is, even if it's corporate. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, it's also common, I think, for probably anybody going into any new job, whether it's a business that they're building mm-hmm. or... If it's a job that they're taking at a company that's hired them, it, you know, it's the old, what if I can't do this? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I imagine physicians, you know, they want to save every life. Mm-hmm. And they can't. You know, I mean, I had an uncle, um, amazing, amazing man, uh, and he... Uh, he was a pediatric cardiologist. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, of course he wanted to save every patient because every patient was like, you know, anywhere from a couple of days to a couple of months to a couple of years old. And they died sometimes. It's part of it's part of that career. Some of those some of those infants are gonna are gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um fortunately, not most of them. Um, you know, and of course he wanted to save every one of them. And I don't know. So why am I going there? I guess I'm just wondering: is that is that his failure, or is that the luck of the draw? You know, if we can't fix somebody, or save somebody, or help somebody in whatever way we're up to, you know, we're called to do that. Um, is it our personal failure, or is it something else that maybe we don't have as much control over? And is it just another learning opportunity for us? 
Mm-hmm. And not learning opportunities like, okay, what did I do wrong and how can I do it better? I mean like lesson about life. Like I'm sure whenever my uncle, you know, lost a patient, it wasn't like, gee, what could I have done better? I'm sure there was some of that, but it was also the lesson about life and humanity and what it's like to be on this planet as a human being and experience love and loss and all that kind of stuff. That's the learning I'm talking about. Hmm. You know, I, I, you know, one of our coaching foundation principles um, that you learned at IPEC was that uh, everyone we need is our teacher and our student. Mm-hmm. I love that foundation just, principle. What do you love about it? I just love that it it, it opens your mind, and it opens your mind for acceptance of everybody. Actually, say that again. Say that again, but speak from the personal, from the eye. It opens my mind. Go from there. Say it again. The um, it opens my mind, and I am accepting of everybody. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean for you in terms of perhaps in terms in terms of your clients, those that you can as well as those that you might not be able to ultimately help in the way that you defined help at the time? Can you repeat the question? Yeah. What might that principle mean for you in terms of your clients, those that you will help as well as those that it might feel like you can't help? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. May I make a suggestion as to what I see? Of course. I think that every client, I mean, for me anyway, every client that's put before me, I believe is put before me for a reason by whatever the powers that be are in the universe. Mm. Um, And, you know, I have an idea of what help is going to look like for them, but I also don't get attached to that because I know that I might help them in ways that I'm not even intending on. Um, And I learn as much from my clients as they learn from me. I learn as much about life from my clients as I hope my clients learn about life from me. Um, do I feel like I provided every client with the help that I, in the ideal, set out to provide for them when I decided to be a coach? Probably not. Do I believe that I've helped them in ways that are beyond what I can even comprehend or put my finger on? Yeah. And I know that because I know that from the feedback I get. I know that from clients who come back to me years later to say, oh, my God, I just need to let you know how different my life is now. And it's because of the work we did together. Yeah. Um, it's the you know, emails and messages I get sometimes even in, even in regards to this radio program. Something I said or, or something that the person I was coaching said made a huge difference for them. So that's how I know that. So that's why I'm thinking for you, what would it take to realize that if you're coming from the compassion that is like overflowing from you as you talk about this, what would it be like if you just knew that you couldn't really go wrong and that you couldn't really not help 
anybody. Even though they might not find a solution to their challenge, if you provided support for them at a time when they need it, how helpful is that? Amazing. Yeah. It, I would have so much um, strength. Mm. Yeah. So what would it take for you to take that on? I think that I just have to start and finally and launch my website and just start and go full force. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you know what I'm hearing Michelle, there's people out there that are waiting for you and every day that you waste they don't get to have you. Every step you don't take makes you less able to be there for them in the way that you not only want to be, but are fully capable of being. And if it's what you were put on this planet to do, and this is really a calling for you and not just a job, and I, I believe that it is, then, then like, why would you want to hold that back any longer from them? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that, Mark. That really was wonderful. You're welcome. You're really welcome. So what's the what's the what's the action step you're gonna take and when? Um tomorrow I am going to email my friend who's actually doing my uh website and I am mm-hmm. going to push to have it launched tomorrow. Great. So it's close enough to being launched that you can launch it tomorrow. Yeah, he sent me. He sent me every. I actually um, talked to him yesterday, and he said we were going to launch today, but he never got back to me. So tomorrow I'll make that effort to um, um, connect with him. Great, excellent. And how would you like to send me a note uh, via Facebook or email tomorrow and let me know you did that? I'll hold you accountable that way. That sounds great. I will do that. (laughs) Great. Great. So what's the biggest insight you got from this conversation, Michelle? Um, That it's not the, it's not the failure. It's the, um, it's not the financial failure. It's the failure that I won't be able to help somebody. Mm -hmm. And just to emphasize how passionate I am about my coaching and, um, helping people. Mm, great, great. That's really awesome, and I, I really, um, uh, I thank you for for your candidness and your vulnerability uh, and going there with me tonight, because uh, that's what really allowed you to to kind of get that to get that lesson. So uh, thank you so thanks much. Thanks for that. Uh, you're so welcome, Michelle. Do keep me posted, and then uh, you know, if down the road, uh, you know, you need some more support, certainly, you know, feel free to reach out to me. Thank you so much, Mark. I'll send you a message tomorrow. Okay, I'll be looking forward to it. Okay, have a nice night. Have a great night. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So it's just so interesting how sometimes the things that we think hold us back are not necessarily the things that are holding us back. Sometimes there's just another another layer to it. Um, So so thanks again to Michelle, and I'm sure that there are many of you out there that can relate and have your own... uh, your own circumstances that are similar to 
to what Michelle is looking for in your own fears, in your own fears of failure. The number to call if you'd like to talk to us live here on Mark My Words is 646-716-9397. We're going to take a short break while I announce some great stuff that's available to you as Mark My Words uh, as a Mark My Words listener from our sponsor, Audible.com, before we get to our second coaching of the evening. Mark My Words is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing me on right now. And if you sign up at our URL, which is audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service for free. So that's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And I'm sure there are some great titles that relate directly to uh, tonight's topic, um, as well as to the second topic that we're going to be coaching just on in just a few minutes. So again, if you'd like to call, the number is 646-716-9397. And we are going to now pick up our second coachee for the evening, and that is Carla. And what we're going to talk to Carla about tonight uh, is what's holding her back from finding a man to have an awesome, awesome relationship with. So, Carla, thank you for calling in to mark my words, and uh, thank you for holding. How are you this evening? Thanks, Mark. It was uh, it's great to be here, and uh, it was great to hear that other coaching stuff, and that was amazing. Oh, great. Well, thank you, and you're welcome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, that one felt good for me too, actually, as they often do. But sometimes, you know, one stands out uh, a little bit more than the other. So that one that one did as well. So you were feeling what I was feeling. So uh, <laughs> thanks. So let's see if we could be just as awesome with you. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Great. So what's going on for you? How can I uh how can I how can I ring your bell tonight? <laughs> well, um, you know, um I'm single and um and I live in New York City and um <laughs> I'm in my late forties and um I'm starting to wonder, you know, like maybe it's just not gonna happen, you know. Um I've never been married. I did live with somebody. Um, I've had, you know, a few long-term, a couple of long-term relationships. Um, you know, and, you know, I'm, like, in a little bit of a place of, like, I, I don't know. Like, I've online dated a lot, and um, I feel very burnt out on that. Like, I just, I don't, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm still sort of, like, talking to these guys online, but I'm losing hope on that arena, and I'm, I'm like, wondering if I should just get offline and um, try to meet people in real time because, I don't know, I'm just like, I, yeah, like I said, I, I'm feeling burnt out on the online dating thing. And uh, and I feel like New York is a very young town, and um, and there's a lot of really great young women here and a lot of great women. I mean, you know, I've seen it on Google, like I've Googled it, and it's like it seems like it's a fact that, in fact, it is really difficult if you're a woman in New York City, you know. So I'm like, I, you know, it's like a limiting belief, but I'm like, maybe it's just a fact, you know. So that's kind of like it in a nutshell. So a limiting belief could be a fact or it could be fiction, right? 
it's only limiting if we hold it in a way that limits us. Right. Okay. So just put that in the back of your mind for now. I want to ask you a question. What is it that's burning you out in the online dating world? I mean, I heard you say it's burning you out. Um, you're getting kind of tired of it. What What is it about the uh, about the online dating world that's got you so so fed up? Well, um, it's like uh, you know, you start chatting with a guy and um, and nothing sort of comes of it. Like, um, and you know, and there's also this other stuff, right? Like, you know. I've listened to dating coaches and stuff, and it's like, don't pursue the guy, you know. And so, you know, like, I don't want to be too, I don't want to be aggressive. Um, I'm trying to be, like, in my feminine, right, and mm-hmm. be more, like, receiving. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like, I feel like a little bit, like, caught between a rock and a hard place because I don't want to be the aggressor chasing the guy down, like, hey, you know, you know, because when they don't write back or whatever, nothing comes of our chatting. Um, but, uh, but you know, you can't force somebody to write you back either. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Right>. I don't. <laughs> so you know what, maybe what I'm, I'm hearing? Not, you know, and I've worked, like, and I feel like I've read all the stuff. I've, like, no, I don't know. I'm just. Yeah, so I just feel like, yeah, I'm a little bit tired. I, I have a, like, when I, I guess I'm at a place where now when I start chatting with somebody, I don't have a lot of hope right now. Like, I just feel like, oh, it's just, they're just going to fade away, and what's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, you're making the assumption that, oh, I already know how this is going to end, so why bother? So then you put a different kind of energy into it, which, of course, makes it turn out that way. Do you think? <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> well, I didn't your think laughter, that, but... Your laughter tells me, yes, you think. <laughs> uh, maybe you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, of course I didn't think of that, that I'm doing that, because I pretend, like, you know, I'm very, in my, like, text, like, what I write. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, probably energetically, I am a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, remember, too, um, that we don't objectively view what's happening in our lives. We view our lives through a filter of our own, you know, assumptions that I already know how something's going to turn out, our own limiting beliefs, as you referred to, you know, the way we interpret things, our own beliefs about not being good enough, you know, our own gremlins and stuff like that, right? So we never really have an objective hold on what's really happening to us. We have always a subjective one that's colored by the lens we look through. And what we start doing is we start finding confirmation of what we believe by generating the results around us that prove what we already believe. Um, Mm. What would it be like if you just set out to prove something completely different than what you already know is true when dating? That would be a little bit exciting. Okay, tell me more about that. What would be exciting about that? Um, Well, I would have to, well, I would need to really think about um, what I'm going to be doing differently. Like, I wouldn't be on automatic pilot. Uh Uh-huh. 
So I would have to, like, be more conscious, I guess. So, you know, so take that. Hold on to that for a moment because I, I, I think you're on to something there. Um, I'm also thinking this. Something you said before, you, you were kind of giving me what I call the argument of extremes. It's like it's either this way or it's that way, and there's no in between. <laughs> and, you know, when I was here, I, you know, so I know you get that because I hear you giggling, right? <laughs> so the, the, the giggle that always gives the client away, right? Um, so it's like, well, you know, I, I, I want to be in my feminine and I want to be receiving, and the last thing I want to do is be completely pushy and pursue him and try to make him call me back. Oh, oh good. Well, there's, there's some middle ground there. <laughs> Right, and and one of the things too that I believe is you know there's a lot of advice out there at a lot of points of view uh, from coaches, therapists, relationship experts, and you know there's a lot of really great advice out there, um, and some of it works for some people, and some of it doesn't work for some people, and that's just about what's right for who. I mean, there's a lot of crappy mm-hmm. stuff out there, too. But let's, let's assume that everything you've been hearing is really valid and, and, and great. And it, it just, you know, it might not work for you, even though it might work for someone else, which is why as coaches we never tell people what they should do because we don't know what's going to work for somebody. But what, I, what, I, what I'm hearing is that the, the things that you've been following about, you know, hanging back and, and not being the pursuer has gotten you a result that you're not happy with. Yeah, and but I all and I also feel like I have been the pursuer and like, you know, been had my set my eyes set on this guy and then like I get him and it's a disaster. So Okay, tell me yeah. tell me more about that. Um Well, you know, it's just like well, I mean, I guess I'm talking many years ago, but um, so I've, I've stopped doing that because I feel like, you know, I was in this long-term relationship and I, I mean, it was like, so, I mean, I feel, it feels like wrong to talk about it in a way because I feel like I was a different person then. And, um, but you know, I was like, I had my eye, you know, I had my sight on this guy and, um, I mean, I pursued him as much as I could and then I gave up and then he turned, you know, he came around, Right. But the thing is, like, we were both young. We were both not really ready for a relationship. Um, We certainly weren't ready to live with each other, but that's what we did. And, you know, it just didn't work out. Let's just say that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. So it sounds like that was a really, really painful experience. Well, it was because I was totally in love with him, and I really wanted it to work out, you know? Yeah. Yeah, of course. How long ago was that? That was a long time ago. Like we we broke up in 2001, so that was a long time ago. And then okay. since then, it hasn't been you know like I've been in one sort of relationship, but it, and then in another one where it was really not good for me. Like I feel like I've had a really not great track record, you know. Mhm. All right. So let me ask you this, and, and look real honestly within yourself for a moment. The I hear you say that, I'm hearing you say that the strategy of pursuing somebody really fouled you up 15 years ago with this guy that you just yeah. told me about. Mm-hmm. Since then, 
how many times have you tried that same strategy again? I think I have my answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like, you know, no, I didn't do it the same way, certainly, but I feel like the last thing I was in, I wasn't pursuing him, but I was waiting for him to come around to, like, yes, we, you know, like, we were sort of doing casual, and I was, like, waiting for him to come around to, um, being like more committal, more, you know, like in a real relationship, right? So mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was pursuing him, but, oh, you know, and that didn't, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. So, no, I haven't really pursued a guy. I don't know if I want to. Okay. All right. And you don't have to, right? And you don't have to want to. Um, it's just that if you're choosing not to because you don't want to, that's different than just avoiding it because, you know, other people told you it's not suppo- that's not the way a woman's supposed to do it. Right. I want it to be your choice, if that's what right. you're going to choose. And then I'm also going to challenge you when you choose on, okay, how well is it working for you? Right? So what I think I'm hearing, and tell me if I'm wrong, what I think I'm hearing, Carla, is that um, you've tried these, sit back and wait for him to come around and play kind of coy and hope that he'll come around. Oh, probably tons more than the, you know what, let me just like no holds barred, be honest about what I want and make it happen like I would any other goal in my life. Yeah, I mean, I've I've definitely done the passive thing more. Okay. If you were to put percentages on it, what percentage have you done the passive thing and what percentage have you done the the thing that landed you in the living relationship that didn't go well? Eighty twenty. Okay. Because it's also difficult for me to be that person. I don't know, like I don't it's not easy for me to be um I guess I've come to a place where I don't necessarily trust what I want or I don't know. What do you so mean? I'm you like, don't know if you I, I really think, trust okay, what you yeah, want? Like, like I want to be open to what, like, the universe is going to bring me, right? And it's maybe mm-hmm. it's like maybe, like, what I want isn't the best thing for me, you know? That's, like, kind and what of is the thought that, process. Okay, okay. And that's actually a common one. So can we explore that a little bit? Yeah. What is it that you want that might not be the best thing for you? Um, well, okay. Um, I think I'm thinking more like on a subconscious level, like if I'm attracted to somebody, I might be like wanting to repeat some old family pattern or, you know what I mean? Like, um, or, you know, or like, like the bad boy, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. So so there's something about the kinds of guys that you tend to pursue. What I'm hearing is that you're, you you feel you tend to pursue guys that aren't that aren't really healthy for you. Is that what you're saying? Well, I don't really pursue any guy, but, yeah, <laughs> when I used to do that, 
Um, okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. Okay. When you used to do that, which was um, 14 years ago. Right. And I think you said earlier, neither of you was ready for a relationship when that happened. Right. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So how different a woman are you now from then? I'm a different person. Yeah. Okay. And how much do you still tend to, let's not use the word pursue, which I used before, but let's let's change that to uh, be interested in. How much is, do you have a tendency still to be interested in guys that are inappropriate for you? I heard, I'm getting that that used to be kind of a regular thing years and years and years ago. How true is that still? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm definitely not attracted to the bad boy anymore, um, but I also okay. feel like I, I didn't necessarily think that last guy was a bad, like that man we're talking about was a bad boy, but, um, and he wasn't really, but he was, but I don't know. We were both bad. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it sounds like using that one as a barometer for many reasons, whether, you know, it doesn't have to be that he was a bad boy, um, but it just sounds like that's not, from what you said, that it might not be the best barometer to use because you weren't ready for a relationship either. So, you know, right. chances are, just with the way the law of attraction works, you were attracting very different men to you at the time than you might be now. Um, but I, I don't know because I don't know you well. Um, how true is that? But the the quality of man you're attracting these days is quite different from 14 years ago. How true is that? I mean, I feel like I attracted. Um, well, let's say I attracted guys 14 years ago that would have been better for me, but I wasn't attracted to them. And I feel like now, I don't know if it's like my confidence or what, but I just feel like there's just a lot less attraction going on in general. And and I feel like I am attractive. Um, I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like because of the way I look or whatever. I, I do sometimes think it's because I'm older, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's, I don't, I'm definitely a different person than that. And I agree, it's not, it's not comparable. Mm-hmm. So, so if that's the case, then Carla, what, how possible might it be that having a little bit more of an active strategy might work better for you now than it did then? It might be okay. very possible. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by more active is 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 less. You use the word passive to describe the other strategy. So I'm saying yeah, you know, yeah. more more active. Yeah. The opposite of that. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And and not that I'm not that I'm advocating an active strategy or a passive one. I, I'm wanting to I'm wanting them to be equal options for you, so you can freely choose between them instead of defaulting to one that you somehow believe is is what you should be doing. I don't care which one you choose. I just want you to choose it consciously. Yeah, and I think there's another um, element to it going on, and that is that. You know, the thing I get out of doing the passive strategy is, like, I don't really have to make a choice. 
about pursuing somebody, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, I don't have to, like, make a mistake. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that I love that you could see that. I, I think, you know, one of the things that is just the most enlivening moments in coaching for me is when people have a light go on inside their head like you just had. Um, you know, it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm avoiding being responsible for connecting with another loser. <laughs> right? Because if I don't pursue him and he pursues me and I just go with it, well, I didn't I didn't do anything. <laughs> right? Right. If you go and pursue him, he says, "Oh, great. I'm so glad you called. Yeah, let's go out." And he turns out to be, you know, somehow not good for you. It's like, "Ugh, I screwed up because I, if I didn't call him twice more, uh, none of this would have happened. And, you know, either way, you're making a choice that you're responsible for. It's a choice right. through action or a choice through inaction, right? Mm-hmm. I, 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 can I offer just a, a little bit of perspective? That Yes, please. So just a little bit of an opinion I have about this kind of stuff, if I may. Um Again, there's lots of advice out there about what kind of approach to take if you're male, what kind of approach to take if you're female. Um, yeah. And some of it's, you know, some of it's really great stuff. Um, I I have a little different different take because, you know, most of the relationships that I coach on or at least know of in my life are same-sex relationships. So what do you think happens in those if men are expected to be one way and women are expected to be another way? You would have women who date women that would never get together. (laughs) 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 You know, and and men who date men who would just, you know, they'd be upset that they're being, that they're the one being pursued instead of getting to do the pursuing. I don't know. Um, But, you know, it's the, the sex role stuff, I think, is problematic. And that shows up, you know, in same-sex relationships, and it always makes me curious about how that plays out in other sex relationships. And one of the things that I've learned from people who do a lot of different gender work, uh, relationship work, is beyond the concept of male and female, it's the concept of the, and and something you said earlier makes me think you'll relate to this, Um, it's the concept of the mascula and the femina, both of which are in every one of us, whether we are male or female. Mm-hmm. We we each have a masculine side, a masculine energy in us, and a feminine energy in us. And regardless of what sex we are, one of those two dominates. And it's not always, it's not always that in women, the feminine energy dominates, and in men, the masculine energy dominates. Sometimes it's the other direction, and that's irrespective of sexual orientation as well, mm-hmm. right? And just like we get to choose any kind of energy that's going to help us in a specific situation. We also get to consciously choose which is going to serve me in a given situation, my masculine energy or my feminine energy. Right. You know, and in all of our relationships, we can always see that there are times when one will serve us more than the other, regardless of what sex we are, what sex the other person is, or whether we're straight or gay or bi, right? It's like Mm -hmm. all of that doesn't really even doesn't even matter. It's just what's going to be most effective in the situation. 
You know, sometimes right. as a coach, but I'm with a client. I need to turn up the more of the masculine power energy and put the person at choice and be like, you know, what are you going to do about this? Well, that wasn't very masculine when I said it that high voice, but (laughs) 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 wasn't the most masculine energy, was it? What are you going to do about this? Um, But you know, (laughs) sometimes it's about really putting putting the person at choice and be like, you know, what are you going to do here? And then sometimes it's about bringing out my more feminine nurturing side. Regardless of who the client is, it's about where is the client. Right. So that's that's the reframe that I would offer with regard to uh, you said earlier about you know I I, I want to do the the feminine thing. Right. You know, if it works for you, great. I don't have an objection to that at all. I'm just hearing that it's not working for you. Right. You um you got really lit up when I said before something about um uh what did I say? <laughs> Clients always ask me to repeat stuff I've said and then I can't because I just don't remember. Um I said something about oh, what if you had set what if you were to set out to prove something different than what you already know? Mm-hmm. And I said that was very exciting. That would be very exciting. Yeah. What would that look like? If you were to do that, what is it that you would do differently? Well, I think, you know, in terms of, like, the online dating, I would just push push people to meet sooner. I would just make that, like, I'm, I don't like chatting. I don't like texting. You know, if I'm interested, let's just meet and then see what happens, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if they don't meet, they don't meet. At least it's like moving along. Mm. And so, you know, I love that. What What if you just did that as an experiment with the next five guys and saw what happened? And then you have some data to base your, your assumptions on. Right. right. Yeah. You know, I mean, how how much... How much would you stand to lose even if you did set about doing it the way that you I wouldn't lose anything, you know, nothing. Right. Great. Because, I mean, you know, you I just don't want to be the. Go ahead. No, I just don't. Like, my fear, I think, is, a, is to get into a relationship where I have to do all the work, I think, because that's been a pattern for me, and I just don't want to be in those relationships anymore, you know? So I think okay. that's part of it too, you know. Great. Great. Love it. That's a really great insight. So what I'm hearing is that you fear that um, by doing the work up front just to me, that's going to send a message that you're a woman that's going to do all the work in the relationship and he's going to play right into that. Right. And then the whole re- and the whole relationship's going to look that way. Yeah. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Yeah, that's pretty much what I believe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. May I challenge that belief? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How true is that really, Carla? <laughs> I guess I won't know until I try. I've been convinced of this because it's been like my pattern of relationship and, you know, 
And I thought, well, maybe if I try to be, like, different, like, I don't know. Well, you know, one step at a time, too, right? So I love that I, – I love that you're willing to just change it up and try something and test out these these theories that you hold so strongly to. Um, <laughs> I, you know, hey, why not just make a big laboratory experiment out of it? You know, I, I kind of like that approach. Um, and, you know, there might be ways – uh, to even look at once you do meet and you got that to happen by by being you know a little bit more of a force to be reckoned with, um, how do you be on the date and in the and in the relationship as it develops? How do you be so to speak in a way that doesn't communicate that you're going to be the one generating the results in a relationship all the time? You know, it doesn't all have to get lumped in together like that. That's it? right. No, it doesn't. Yeah. I can allow, just give more space to allow the other person. And it doesn't have to happen on my agenda either. Yeah, great. So, deep breath. <sighs> Thank you. I stopped breathing. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it. I can feel it. I can hear it and I can feel it. Um, so, so um, what's your next step? Next step is I'm going to text this guy tonight that, you know, our kind of conversation just died as per usual. And I just was like, whatever, of course, you know what I mean? So I'm just going to text him tonight and say, hey, should we meet up this week? Whatever. Great. You know? Great. And actually, uh, let me ask you this. How can you word that question differently as an open-ended question instead of a closed-ended question of could of should we? Oh, that's a good point. Um Hmm. How do I do that? Wait a minute. Um, when do you want to meet up? Okay, great. That's an open-ended and presumptive question, right? Because it presumes it presumes that he does. So that's certainly uh, that's certainly an option. Um, do you have a suggestion? What if you, <laughs> what if you started? What if you asked it as a how question? What would it okay. sound like? Oh, okay. What do you come up with? God, man, I feel like really, I don't know. Okay, how, um, so how does a girl get you to ask her out? <laughs> I love it. Not what I was thinking, but I just let so, that is adorable and totally romantic, actually. <laughs> I, that is so romantic. It almost makes me melt. Um, and it's it's actually quite cute and creative. Um on the upside, on the downside, it's still it's, it's about putting the power back in his hands. Yeah. Um, so what I was thinking, but you know what, that might work for you. So I'm not going to say don't do that. Uh, I, you know, well, I wouldn't anyway. So that is one option. Um, if I can add to that, I'm thinking maybe Please. more about how would you feel about going out one night this week? Oh yeah. Right. 
So either one, and I, you know what? I, I, I want to leave you with those two. And, you know, choose. Think about them. I think the first one is actually really adorable um, and uh, playful. It has a nice energy to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling like that. I'll try that first, and then on the next guy, I could try the other one. What, whatever, mix it up. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, see what really feels right for you. I think they're both really good options, and, you know, you get to choose. So that's great. That's great. Um, well, I might use that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to remember that. I love it. It's everyone you meet is your teacher and your student. <laughs> So great, Carla. This has been wonderful. Tell me what the biggest insight is that you got um, from this call. Well, um, I think it's more like a feeling. Like whereas when I thought about dating before I got on the call, I felt very like in a box almost like, um, yeah, like a little trapped, I guess. And now it feels like much more open like there's more possibility. Great. Great. That's yeah, what I always look for. Thank you so much, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. Yep, that's what I try to create is just more possibility, right? So, um yeah. So great. Great. So, well, very good. Um so I also invite you to um let me know that you've done that. Go ahead and reach out to me on Facebook and let me know that you took that action and how it went. I'd love to hear the outcome. I will. I will. (laughs) Great. All right, Carla, great to talk to you. Thank you so much for uh, calling in to mark my words tonight. Thank you so much. Uh, You're welcome. Good night. Bye-bye. Well, that about wraps it up for tonight, as I invite you to mark your words if you'd like. If you have feedback about the show, just go to markmywordsradio.com and scroll down to the feedback link. If you'd like to follow the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, just visit us at www.blogtalkradio.com slash lifecoachradionetwork, and then click on the follow button. Also, visit our website at www.lifecoachradionetworks.com and learn about all of our networks. I hope you enjoyed the past hour and that you found it engaging, enlightening, and stimulating. You can listen to Mark My Words live on the first and third Sundays of every month at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, as well as listen to any previous show from my archives at markmywordsradio.com and on iTunes by searching Mark My Words. I look forward to speaking with you all again next time. Thank you for listening to Mark My Words. I'm Mark, and those are my words. Good night.